patients sat in the main room watching Crazy Rich Asians, a film they could only relate to one-third of. Isolating oneself in his or her room was frowned upon, and I was not eager to be cajoled out like a kindergarten teacher trying to get the shy student to play with the other kids. So I'd play ball and wandered into the common area, which could not have looked more like a psych ward if you had gotten a modern nurse ratchet herself to do some interior design. The nurse's station was central, separated by a glass barrier, of course, which only served as another reminder of how fucked my current situation was. Tables and chairs filled the space behind the TV area. It was at one of these tables where I saw my father cry for the second time in my life. The white walls were interrupted only by the TV and a wide window looking out over a park. I would sometimes gaze out of the window, admiring the world I was in while avoiding coping with my current place in it, as I'd clearly found myself in quite a predicament. I tried not to indulge in this too often, this dejected gazing, as I did not want to perform the role of mentally ill teenage white girl number one too well, so that was off the table for the night. However, I did not join the group for two reasons. One, I was not particularly inclined to sit with a bunch of 40-something crack addicts and watch a movie as if nothing was wrong with this picture. And two, I wanted to read the book first. So I perused the selection of safe activities provided to us. Sudoku, a 20-piece puzzle suited for a six-year-old, and coloring. I went with the latter. I sat myself at the table furthest from the TV in the hopes that none of the other patients would take notice. Much like the series of events that led me here, that did not go according to plan. Much to my apparently inevitable disappointment, Monica, ever eager to pounce on the opportunity to spout her incomprehensible inner thoughts onto whatever victim lied in the vicinity, moseyed on over to what was my solitary safe space. Monica was a heavy-set, unapologetically honest, and, unfortunately for me, unforgivingly social crack addict who hadn't seen her son in years. I didn't like Monica. I didn't have anything against crack addicts, but they certainly weren't a demographic I was dying to associate with, especially not in this context. I had empathy for Monica, sure, but I also had the unpleasant experience of us two being the only patients in the spirituality group session. I was open to most of the group sessions, but spirituality was not one that was going to give me my reason to be. If Christ had anything to offer me, he would have copped it up in the 12 years of Catholic schooling I had prior to landing myself in a psych ward. But the nurses kept track of who went to each group, and we were expected to attend each of them at least once, so in order to get off this unit and by extension see less of Monica, I had to spend more time with Monica. It was fantastically worse than I had imagined, probably because Monica asked the chaplain her professional opinion on demonic possessions, and then proceeded to tell me that she couldn't imagine anything being wrong in my life. I knew, backhanded as her statement was, that she did not mean it the way it came off, but I elected not to take that into consideration. So, I didn't like Monica. However, my regrettable predisposition to be a moderately decent human being to everyone, no matter the circumstance, won out. So, I entertained her to a mostly one-sided conversation consisting of her relating the story of how she ended up here. The story was inconceivably impossible to follow. Not that it mattered. I didn't really believe a word that came out of her mouth anyways. 
She was allegedly caught trying to buy crack from an undercover cop, though she insisted that he was secretly closeted and was caught himself cheating on his wife with a male escort in the back of his cruiser. How she knew this, I didn't ask, mostly because I was trying to keep my participation to a minimum, and I doubted I would receive an honest, let alone comprehensible, answer. The more I engaged with her, the more she would engage back, and I desperately just wanted to get back to coloring my ice cream cones. But, of course, this led to her asking how I ended up here. I had related this story numerous times to my doctor, my nurses, and my newly appointed social worker, so I was sick of it at this point. But she had backed me into a corner, probably her intention approaching me in the first place. Monica was a woman of stimulation, obviously in her taste for crack, but also in her unfailing tendency to finish other people's food at mealtime. When she could no longer find stimulation in these, she fed off of other people. I could tell she had been itching to know my reasons for being held in this unit against my will, so I explained it to her in as little detail as I could get away with. Was it over a boy? Please tell me it wasn't over a boy, she implored. I responded to her extraordinarily insulting question by explaining in a miraculously calm, though nearly monotone voice, that it was not, and chose not to further elaborate. She took my curt response as a cue to bestow advice, as if she was one of the many mental health care professionals we were both required to see. I nodded my head and gave the appropriate mm-hmm, while cursing the cosmic joke that is serendipity which allowed our paths to cross. I tried to tune out her voice, reminiscent of an old 45 on a record player on its last leg, bitter and discordant from years of abuse, and instead focus on coloring an ice cream cone, a mint flavor, I decided based on my limited selection of broken crayons. I was praying to a god I knew didn't exist that she would take the hint, when somewhere along the way my mind honed in on a single sentiment. I spent $532,000 on crack in six months, and I'm still unhappy. She probably sputtered out a few more bits of nonsense before deciding I was not entertaining enough and subsequently returned to the movie, but I sat there, frozen as the two-dimensional desserts on the page in front of me. Usually I would scold myself for indulging in the existences of others since I already had so much trouble fully realizing my own, but I felt oddly tempted to mourn for a woman still living. But I opted against that. There had been enough mourning in my past few days. As little as I thought of Monica, here she was, still standing. And so was I.